I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we discuss the news from the video game industry in the past couple of weeks. My name is Patrick Beja, and I'm joined again today. I have the great pleasure of having uh, Jocelyn on the show. Jocelyn Moffat, how is it going from the faraway land of Canada? Uh, it's it's going pretty well, actually. It was away for the weekend, and actually got to go watch some soccer. So, or sorry, football, football for you Europeans. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so, yeah, you have. It's, it's good. You have you have football in in Canada? We do, yes. <laughs> That's no, amazing. I don't think it's it's quite as competitive because you know Canada never actually makes it to like the World Cup or anything fancy, but we we, we do have soccer here, football, nice. football. <laughs> so you're <laughs> so you're I'll get it into right eventually. <laughs> real sports as well. I am, yes. I'm into real sports, but not sport video games. Funny enough. <laughs> oh well, you are into esports a little bit with Hearthstone. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. But nothing else. No, <laughs> not like FIFA. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, no. But honestly, FIFA is one of those weird things where the people who do play it are usually people who only play FIFA and usually Call of Duty. So yes, I might have so offended weird. some people here. But <laughs> it's, um, it's almost like it's a different, you know, if you like to label people and categorize people in different ways. It's almost like the people who buy Call of Duty and FIFA buy two games a year and they buy them every year. And that's when they mm -hmm. what they do when they have their friends over or, you know, for a, a Saturday afternoon or something. And that's all they play. They never play anything else. It's weird. Exactly. Yeah. Right, <laughs> Which so is a totally foreign concept to someone like, I, well, myself for sure. And I'm sure you as well. Yeah. It's just like 10 games a week. Like, just yeah, bring exactly. it. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have been playing an inordinate, uh, inordinate amount of... Uh, World of Warcraft and uh, Overwatch, they have been occupying my entire uh, playtime in, in the past few weeks. So um, there are, I there have, are, oh, go ahead. I have found it very difficult lately to pull myself out of the Blizzard universe. I will say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, they're doing pretty well. Uh, but we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that are not Blizzard related. Um, we have Evo to talk about. We have Pokemon Go. Uh, I want to discuss things with the stock prices, which are really interesting <laughs> to me um, for, for Nintendo. Uh, there's uh, news for No Man's Sky, for Call of Duty, uh, for Sonic, for a bunch of stuff. So we're going to get in, uh, into all of this. And um, the first thing, as I mentioned, is Evo 2016, which happened last week. And um, I, you guys know that I enjoy uh, fighting games. I don't watch a lot of esports, but the grand finals, usually I like to go and watch them. And um, in, in this uh, tournament, it's... So first of all, okay, let's talk about Evo for a second. This tournament, I think I mentioned it in the past, but it's such a weird 
thing. In in general, the fighting game scene, the fighting game esports scene is weird and different and evo is something else when you compare them to um you compare it to other esports events it's an open tournament there were over 10,000 players imagine that 10,000 players coming to the thing too yeah like partic- actually participating in one of the like 10 games that were in the tournament they were competing um and i think what what strikes me a lot about evo is all of this all of the, the the differences, like there are different types of tournaments. Some of them have the grand finals in a small room with, with it's basically a, a hotel room or, or a hotel ballroom. Um, some of them have, uh, uh, you know, in, happen in a big conference room. And the Street Fighter V finals was in a giant like stadium. It was insane. It was really like comparable to things like uh, the, the MOBAs and things like that. And yet... The players, they were like sitting on hotel chairs, like tiny things with their controllers on their knees and on a tiny TV. There's, and, and there are so many different colors of even people. It's weird that we don't have, you know, uh, uh, darker skinned people and black people in other tournaments. And for some reason in fighting games, it's like you see all kinds of everything, different, you know, the different rooms, the different people, the different, it's, it's really a magical different thing in the world of esports um so it, it was cool it always is i won't bother you too much with all of the tournaments but i will uh put a bunch of links like three links to the big finals for the three uh, games that i really like street fighter 5 tekken 7 and king of fighters 14 um which were intense matches and i think it's really <laughs> worth watching them if you're interested into in, in, interested by esports or by fighting games uh come to frenchspin.com and you will get links to those those three grand finals it's really worth watching so um yeah french frenchspin.com for that um but there was also a bunch of news and um i think we're we're going to talk about those uh unless i mean i don't know is there anything you want to add to this you know, description of Evo, I think you're not, as I was saying, you're not really into uh, into those, but... Yeah, I'm not into fighting games necessarily, but what I am into is a lot of esports. And so I did watch some of these videos of these finals, and that was the first thing that struck me as well, was these little hotel chairs and the whole playing on your lap thing. Yeah. First of all, I had no idea the kind of controllers that they use. Like, I was picturing, like, an actual like controller like I would have hooked up to my console. I didn't realize that for fighting games, you have these like the joysticks, giant yeah. joysticks and like this, just that whole controller was, I was like, wait, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> like, What's happening right now? And it was also very interesting to me that they weren't facing the crowd. Like the crowd was behind them, yeah. which in, in every other esport, I mean, in Hearthstone, the, com- the competitors are facing each other and the crowd is on the side. And in something like heroes of the storm, then they're facing the crowd, like looking at their monitors, but still facing the crowd. Having the crowd behind you was it, it's just so weird. <laughs> and I guess it's because they're they're watching the game happening, I guess. I, like, I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, it, was, it, just, it was very, very odd to me <laughs> to yeah. watch them do that with the crowd behind them. But um, for me, it's just uh, fighting games. I never got into so much and I, I find hard to 
get into as an esport, probably because for the same reason that people find other things like, say, Hearthstone difficult to get into as an esport, because I don't understand like the game and the combos and all the things that are happening. Anytime I've ever played a fighting game, it's just been total button mashing. So. <laughs> Uh, it's, I think, uh, something that's a little bit harder to get into as an esport than some of the other things. And, and it happens so quickly that if you're not into the lingo, it can be really difficult to know what's going on. And there was a couple of times where the commentators seemed to get really excited and I'm like, <laughs> what that, happened that, now? Yeah, exactly. I think I saw a flash of blue and maybe that was great. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, you know, I really wish sometimes, not just for fighting games, for but for every type of esport, I really wish there was always, for the big ones, a noob stream, you know, a commentator that would actually explain everything that's happening. It's super hard, I'm sure, because you have to explain, you know, the four seconds exciting moment you have to explain all of it in hopefully a super short time but uh it's well, true that's it's, the thing. Uh, everything happens so quickly and that's why i think i got into esports through hearthstone is because you have usually two ish minutes on for each turn so the the commentator is able to say you know oh well they could try this thing or they could try this thing and they're thinking about the other guy and what cards he might have which could be this that or the other thing and because the players are taking so much time to think it gives the commentators a little little bit of space whereas a lot of these other games like well League all of them really Dota, it's it's only it's only hearthstone that uh, that can afford or you know time, card games yeah. that can afford that luxury of actually explaining what the hell is happening but, yeah and i i found i think starcraft was another one that i found easy to get into because there's such a mm. lull right at the beginning there's about 10 minutes where the same thing happens every single time so there's a little bit of space to explain uh versus some of these other ones where it just gets like right into the action yeah, I guess that's true. Um, it is, I mean, for fighting games, it's probably a little bit easier to follow because you know that one, you know, it's two people facing one another and they have to fill, uh, you know, to empty the life bar of the other one that and they're beating on each other until <laughs> one doesn't move anymore. Um, but yeah, I guess, I mean, for Street Fighter, I think it's a little bit easier, but definitely for something like Tekken or uh, King of Fighters that have, uh, you know, super long combos and very subtle little differences, they're definitely less approachable. But Street Fighter, I'm, I'm surprised. I would have thought that that was easier to follow than than most. Um, but I guess, I've you know, I've been playing Street Fighter on arcade since almost 20 you know 25 or 25 years now so and that's where the joysticks come from by the way because mm -hmm. it's arcade controllers but uh yeah anyway um well i hope you know at least some of the listeners go and check out the finals videos that i'm going to link there and uh and hopefully at least some of them will make sense and will be enjoyable for some of you but uh, <laughs> I won't stop advocating for fighting games because I think they're really cool. Um, and talking about that, there's a bunch of news I think, you know, we can skip over most of them uh, quickly. It's basically Evo is going to have a component in Japan. There's going to be an Evo Japan, which is awesome because Japan uh, is the home of the fighting games. So that's going to be exciting. Um, Tekken 7 uh, Fated Retribution, which is the version that will come out on PlayStation 4. Um, is and maybe Xbox One, actually. Maybe it's going to be on both. Uh, is going to have new characters, uh, returning characters like Bob and Master Raven is probably Raven. No one cares. It's, you know, previous characters from previous games that I care about, but others don't. Um, I just find it really funny that a, a character's name is just Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and funnily, you know, Bob is actually an American, like a caricature. Uh, he's super fat. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, he's called Bob. And I think he might even eat uh, hamburgers. But he's also super fast. He's like lightning fast, and and it's the 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 contrast is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's Bob. And um, and Sony and SNK are gonna bring uh, Garo, uh, Mark of the Wolf. Which is uh, Final Fant, uh, not Final Fantasy. Uh, uh, oh, fi not Final Fight. Oh my God, I'm like <laughs> losing the name of that series. Uh, Fatal Fury, is it? Yes. Um, I was like, I don't know. I really can't help you here. <laughs> I'd love to, but can't. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be on PlayStation Four uh, again. That is just a tidbit. But the the important thing is that there is a demo for King of Fighters 14 available now on PlayStation Network, and you can go and get it. It has uh, seven characters. It has a uh, training mode and and things like that. The game will be out in about a month. Uh, but there's a demo. I downloaded it, and you know what? That King of Fighters 14 game that looked so bad when it was introduced at last year's E3 and that quite frankly doesn't look great um, it is still very much King of Fighters and playing it brought back all of the joy of King of Fighters that I had uh, when I was younger so that was that was really cool if you were if you're a King of Fighters fan uh, so definitely go and check it out if you're not a King of Fighters fan so if you're someone like me would it be a good idea to go pick up this demo and give it a try as like an introduction to fighting games what King of Fighters is and, and all the rest of it or is this like way advanced and I shouldn't go anywhere near it uh I would say it's for yeah it is way advanced uh it's okay. really complicated <laughs> it's part of those games that are really difficult there are some like Tekken and even Street Fighter which are very approachable uh King of Fighters is not one of those it's, if you're a fighting okay. game expert you can try it out um if you're a King of Fighters uh, fan you can try it out or if you like Japanese anime style that is another reason that you might want to check it out because it has all of these eccentric, super fun, super badass characters, almost like, uh, you know, in the same way that Dragon Ball Z or Naruto is badass. In that way, those characters are really cool. And they have those, you know, they, they shout the names of their attacks as most mm -hmm. Japanese, you know, culture stuff do. And that is really cool. But no, it's kind of difficult. Um, okay. it's not well, I might, I might check it out anyways, just because it's a demo. And, well, and I why do, do you I ask do quite me for like, your, my like, opinion then? <laughs> I like anime though. And so you oh, totally okay. had me thinking, oh no, I'm not going to. And then you're like, but if you like anime, I'm like, I like anime. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you can try it out. Uh, the, the, the really fun thing is the special moves, but the, the, the fighting game special moves are, you know, quarter circle forward half circle forward these kinds of things if you've never done them you're probably not it's not super easy um <laughs> but yeah try it out and let me know what you thought and <laughs> um but yeah definitely a game like tekken or street fighter 5 would be a better introduction tekken 4 is, uh, 7 sorry so many numbers tekken 7 <laughs> is coming out next year and that i would recommend probably to more people but uh, yeah, King of Fighters. Yay. If you try it out, let me know. I, I'd be curious to know what you, what you think. Um, Pokemon Go is, I mean, we talked about it last time and it's still madness. Uh, it's continuing. <laughs> it's being released now in every country. So I think everyone has it by now or almost. I'm sure I'm going to get some messages of people saying, I don't. Um, and so the thing that really struck me was that Nintendo's talk was skyrocketing. And I, what I've been saying, I think on other shows, maybe on the Daily Tech, Tech News show, I've been saying Nintendo has nothing to do with Pokemon Go. Okay, that's mm -hmm. a slight exaggeration. But really, they have 
you know, the, the maker of Pokemon Go is Yantic, which has licensed uh, Pokemon from the Pokemon company, of which Nintendo owns a third. And uh, the, prob- the problem is none of those entities are publicly traded except for Nintendo. So everyone just, you know, rushed to Nintendo because they associate the two. But it was, it's, it was getting so bad that they actually had to put out a statement saying, we know you like Pokemon, but this is not <laughs> us. And it's probably not going to affect our bottom line uh, to a noticeable uh, amount. So they actually had to go out and say and, and warn, you know, uh, investors that it wasn't going to make a huge impact on their bottom, the bottom line. And so their stock fell back down about half of what it had gone up, which is uh, maybe not half, maybe a third. But it's interesting that in one day it went back down, which it should have. But it, it's kind of frustrating to see people thinking that this is going to change everything for Nintendo when it wasn't them who made the thing on mobile, so we don't know that they get mobile. They already had plans to go to mobile that have been in place for you know over a year, so it's not going to convince them to go to mobile. They already put out Pokemon games all the time on their platforms, so it's not like all of a sudden they're going to sell Pokemon games more because they have always been selling really well. I guess it builds some brand awareness. Maybe it, it uh, uh, informs people about the potential of Nintendo on mobile, potentially. But really, this is not a big, a huge deal for Nintendo. It's good. It's not as big as people think it is, and that is very frustrating to me. But um, yeah, I found it. Re- I find it really. I guess I was going to say interesting, but I think scary is probably a better word. That people just jumped to Nintendo and started investing in Nintendo, even though Nintendo's role is so small. If you are a stock market investor, like how are you? How are you making these kind of choices? And the fact that I think that at one point the estimate was something like nine billion dollars or something like that from Pokemon, just with the rise in Nintendo stocks, like that's how much added value was in there. And I'm just like. That amount of money is mind-blowing to me, and especially when it's tied to a company that, like, they didn't actually release the game. Like, their name is kind of on it a little. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just blows my mind. Like, stocks and the stock market is so scary to me because of things that is exactly like this, that you can have $9 billion just appear and then, like, $4.5 billion disappear. Like... <laughs> In, in yeah, a couple have, of weeks, like oh my god! I don't, I don't know the 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 numbers specifically, but I do know they were they became they had a bigger market valuation than Sony. Sony, mm-hmm. who yes. has you know the entire console market locked up this generation essentially, and mm-hmm. it's yeah, it and it is you're right, it is scary because we might not know about this. I mean, we like video games, but so maybe we know a little bit more, but regular people might not know but the people who are actually whose job is to advise on uh, investment maybe it was just you know random joes going to uh, buystocks.com and buying nintendo stock without asking anyone but i suspect there might have been a few analysts that looked into this and it should be their job to know and to to warn people hey this is not (laughs) coherent you know so Anyway, I think now people understand this. There are still a lot of people saying, oh, Pokemon Go, it's going to save Nintendo. But I think they're not people that understand exactly what is happening here. But uh, still, Pokemon yeah. Go, super popular. I, I, my understanding is that you're playing it a lot. 
I am. I was I was one of those people who uh, circumvented the um, not released in Canada right. thing in the first week that it came out because I just I really wanted to to get my hands on it and play it. And it has since been officially released in Canada. So I no longer have an illegal app on my phone. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've been playing for a few weeks now. And my favorite part of it, I think, is what everyone who's playing and really enjoying it, I think we're all enjoying the same thing, which is getting out into our neighborhoods, getting some exercise and meeting some neighbors. Because Okay, let I, me stop you there just for a second. Okay. Getting some exercise, I think it's overstating it a lot. You know, it's like you're walking around. You would need to walk for like 10 hours during the day for it to affect you. I, but okay, keep going. But the thing is, I wasn't walking at all. Like I okay, moved to enough. a new town in, I guess it was uh, the end of November last year. And I mean, I hadn't gone for a walk through my local park. Like I was I was constantly head down working. And I mean, I live in Canada, so obviously the weather was kind of bad for the, my first few months <laughs> living here. But um, Pokemon has actually given me a motivator to leave my house, <laughs> which I think is great. <laughs> like it's just it's one of those things where... We spend so much time at home watching Netflix, playing video games, especially someone like myself whose entire job is to play video games, to have something that is both work and fun and gets me out of the house. I love Pokemon Go just for that <laughs> one reason. And I hadn't actually met anyone from my new town at all. And then the first night that we went out walking in the park, we met all kinds of people. So I, I just think it's a it's a really interesting way to get people outside exercising and socializing, even though it, I don't think it's going to necessarily change my body type overnight. But I do think <laughs> that at least it's getting me out. It's getting me, you know, fresh air and exercise. And I mean, we're doing anywhere between five and 10 kilometers pretty much every other day, which is Pretty yeah, great that's... for someone who never moved at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, that's that's actually really good. Uh, I have to I have to admit. Um, but then, so let me ask you the other question. I've uh, said on the show that I don't think this is going to last. I think people are going to have fun going out, walking around, finding Pokemon's um, for you know a few weeks, maybe the summer. But after that, it's going to get tired pretty fast to have to you know go out of your house to play the game and. My estimation is that, of course, it's not going to go completely away. Uh, even uh, Ingress has it still has a, an active community, and I suspect the one for Pokemon might be even bigger. But I don't think a lot of people are going to keep playing it. Most of the people that are playing it now are—it's not a game that's going to, you know, last for years and years as it is now. Do you? Would you agree, or would you th Do you think well, that it's just here to stay? I think that that depends on a lot of factors. I think one of the factors, like I mentioned, is where you live, because I know for me, I'm not going to be walking 10 kilometers when it's minus 40 outside. But that <laughs> is very much a Canada problem. <laughs> so I feel like in places with a little bit more of a uh, moderate climate, like I see right now, I'm doing Pokemon a lot more than friends who are in, say, Arizona, because it's too hot right now for them to go out walking. So I think that but climate think is the going game to play was do you think the game will, st will still be hot? See, I, because you said it's too <laughs> hot right did, now. Yeah. It's super funny. Um, <laughs> do you think the game will still be hot when it's, you know, in, in winter for them, when they can finally go outside and not risk to burn instantly? 
I, I really think it's going to depend because we see this a lot in mobile gaming just in general where things, you know, catch on. They're really interesting for a month tops and then they tend to go away. And that's really just, I think, the mobile marketplace. There's very few things like if you if you take Candy Crush out of the kind of genre and out of the out of the conversation then you know you have a lot of things like well even nintendo's last uh, offering was mitomo and that lasted for a week or two so i think it's going to depend on what they end up doing in terms of almost like expansions because like, i know right, i've probably gameplay, got right? because there's gameplay, no yeah. gameplay in that thing there's no i mean yeah it's just go out and click on the thing it's I think I really think the gameplay is super important. And yes, the socializing, the going out, the having fun is is cool too. And I'm you know, I just installed it, I'm gonna try it out. I'm not hating for the, the sake of hating. Um but and and in the meantime, you know, Neontic and Apple and the Pokemon company will have made lots and lots of money, so that's great. But it i i think people are sort of hailing it as either the advent of ar for everything or the the chance for nintendo to invade mobile or and i just think it's this one small app that even if you 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 were talking about um candy crush or we could talk about uh the the uh, you know um uh battle royale uh not battle royale oh uh, clash of clans clash royale and clash of clans thank you those games have gameplay however mm-hmm. simple they have i just i don't get it it's yeah it's, and i don't I, see how it could last to me the pokemon go app seems very like rushed to market i think that there are a lot of things that we thought pokemon go was going to be and it really isn't i think the navigation to the pokemon needs some work to get to where it was in all of the trailers and all of the marketing i think that the gym battles really the best way to win is just brute forcing and that's not fun like the the great thing about pokemon always was you know, figuring out what Pokemon were good against, what other types of Pokemon, and right, getting that turn base and the strategy to it. And right now, there's none of that. You just you click your Pokemon as fast as you can click your Pokemon, and you hope that you win. And generally, if your combat power is higher than the gym's combat power, you're going to win, which doesn't really feel good because you you do want to have that level of strategy, and that's that's lacking right now. Mm. So. I think from a, a gameplay perspective, you're you're completely right. There are some things that it's lacking, and I think it's a it's a rush to market kind of a decision. Uh, but the one of the things that I really like about the game is just I'm a completionist. I'm a collector, so going out and trying to find all the different types of Pokemon is fun for me. That's enough for now. So what I'm looking for Pokemon to do in the future is to you know expand beyond that first. 151. So I'm I think they have it's it's twofold what they have to do to keep it relevant. I think they're going to because there's a lot of space in the Pokemon universe to expand into in terms of all the different Pokemon from all the different generations and there's just so much to pull from. But I think you're right. Base gameplay is lacking right now and if they don't patch it and don't add more and they have been talking about adding um, battles with friends as well, which I think will really help. But uh, in general, they're just, you're right, gameplay is lacking, but I think it's easily fixable. They mm. just need to kind of keep rolling out updates and show us that they're still interested beyond just a <laughs> really quick boost to Nintendo stocks and, <laughs> you know, big download numbers in the first week. 
Right. Yeah. Which it's now the fastest downloading app on the App Store total. Like completely, Apple has which is, just confirmed which is it, kind which of is crazy. kind of nuts. But I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. There is fun in going out and collecting them. I don't want to, you know, poo-poo that too much. And you're also right that they could add gameplay. They definitely could make it into a, a app that has gameplay and lasting power in that sense. I doubt it would work if you had to go out and battle you know, to, to find someone to do a battle. I really don't think that would work really well because again, I don't think people want to go out and, and to, to play all the time, just like they didn't want to wave their me, uh, you know, their Wii uh, motion controller around for yep. <laughs> gaming, I, but they could do it and allow people to just battle from their couch. And then I think it could work, but uh which is actually really interesting. You say, like, you, if you have to go out to find an opponent, that might be a problem. But at the same time, if it's the biggest app ever downloaded in the App Store, the number of people playing, I'll probably be able to just from, like, the uh, area of influence that you have in the app, I can hit at least three or four of my neighbor's houses just with my area of impact from sitting in my house. And that would probably be enough. And I know that I'm I'm kind of an odd... Um, case study because I live with my boyfriend who is my age. We have roommates who are also our age. All four of us are playing Pokemon. So I literally wouldn't have to go outside my house to find an opponent. (laughs) But even then, anyone in an apartment building, anyone in any kind of subdivision, you probably will be able to find an opponent within your sphere of influence. So then you beat them so badly that they're super pissed (laughs) off and they come (laughs) knock at your door and they're like, what the hell, man? (laughs) That is that yeah. is always, I guess, always a problem, except I'm sure it would be like just a list of nearby players, not like my actual pinged location on the map. No, of that course, would, of course. That would be but, unsafe. You know, of course. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll have to see what happens. But uh, it's definitely, I, I will admit, I didn't think it was going to keep going that strong already. It's been three weeks and I'm a little bit surprised it's still going that strong. I guess it's not a two week thing. It's a, it's a, at least a summer thing and, and maybe mm-hmm. more. So we'll see. A uh, quick thank you to uh, Ty Field from uh, the iTunes store who left a comment. He said, uh, or she, great podcast. That's my favorite V-game podcast. Lots of interesting talks and thoughts from an international team. Big, big fan of Not Patrick. That's me. You should definitely try it. And he's giving that advice to uh, people reading the comments. So thank you very much, Ty Field. Uh, if you wish to help out the show a little bit, you can go to iTunes or another uh, podcast podcast. Uh, catalog that you use to find shows and leave a comment and a few stars that would be amazing on your part um bunch of other bits of news uh the first one i'd like to get into is uh no man's sky which is releasing in a couple of weeks finally it's going to be available and that for those who don't remember i don't know where you've been but it's been basically (laughs) uh the most hyped game on the current generation of consoles and pc uh for like two years and in the past i would say six months six to eight months it, the the hype sort of died down and so we're not quite sure what to expect yet and they've released <laughs> a series of trailers i think there's four of them that focus uh, on uh, combat trade and a bunch of other things um to show you what you're actually going to be doing in the game and i've never been convinced that the game could be uh, uh, would have, again, we come back to the question of gameplay. I've never been convinced that 
beyond the five quintillion uh, systems that you can explore <laughs> and the magical moments of taking off a planet and going through the atmosphere and being like in, in space, beyond those moments, I've never been sure that there would be gameplay to support uh, uh, an actual game that you would play for more than the, the uh, uh, mesmerizing first min minutes. And I've seen the trailers and honestly, I'm still not convinced. I don't know what to what to make of it. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not that convinced either. So you're not alone in that thinking, especially after watching. So we're going to talk about it next. But the Call of Duty gameplay versus the No Man's Sky gameplay, it, it just it seemed like the same thing, except for Call of Duty was like, crazy realistic awesome game on steroids and no man's sky looked like it was still beta polygons <laughs> and i was kind of like oh. um and it's probably because i watched them back to back so that's that's not you know that's not definitely not no man's sky's fault but at the same time i was just kind of like this looks okay i guess maybe but i'm not a huge like i'm not looking forward to the space game combat thing that everyone else seems to be really on board with right now you mean so, the genre or specifically for no man's sky just just in general like i'm not looking forward to it in call of duty i'm not looking forward to it in ah. no man's sky like i just i don't want to fly a spaceship but it seems like every game now wants me to fly a spaceship <laughs> so um that part of the combat didn't look all that great and then the combat actually on the planets again i can see how it might be interesting for the first two, maybe three planets, you know, especially if you get a, a different kind of an ecosystem on whatever you discover could be really interesting. But I feel like at least for me, like I mentioned, I like collections. I'm a completionist. If you have five bazillion places, like I, I'm <laughs> never going to see it all. I'm never going to collect it all. So it's almost enough for me to go. I don't even want to start. <laughs> I guess the, you know, the, the goal of the game is to get to the center of the universe. And there's a crafting trading system that allows you to go farther and farther inside mm -hmm. the universe. The goal is definitely not to go explore all of the, the planets yeah. because you, you couldn't <laughs> you do can't. that. You can't, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm not, I, st I guess the, the, what I'm getting out of all of this is that I still don't understand what it is. And it really feels like it was a, <laughs> game that was a very small project of can we procedurally create a universe of, yeah a universe um and get let people explore it and that was the basic idea and it mm -hmm. got so big that they had to actually make it into something that is a full-priced game and i'm not sure you know i don't know what it is it's like i don't know i wanted to make a joke and say something about that it's no man's dream or whose dream is it or something <laughs> but it's not coming to me um, um so yeah, are you interested know. in kind of like minecraft sandboxy type create your own experience and story games because not that's what really. this feels yeah, like it, to yeah me. you're right you're right yeah and i and i'm in the same boat those don't appeal to me too much i am a very big rpg player i like to have a story and a quest line and goals and things to follow and a very directed experience so something like no man's sky with basically no directed experience except for get to the center of the universe that's not enough for me 
So yeah. it, it already doesn't appeal to me on that level. So there has to be some very, very compelling graphics or combat or something. Even, even say, a, uh, a crafting system isn't enough. Like, I, I need something really, really cool and interesting. Gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. To, I, in so, order to compel me to play. And I haven't seen that out of No Man's Sky yet. Mm. I, I will say, however, that I am interested in the fantasy of space exploration. And uh, I did buy um, Elite Dangerous, and I'm sort of looking at Star Citizen as this <laughs> fantasy of the most realized space life slash exploration slash combat uh, simulation ever. And but both of those, and I've tried uh, uh, Elite Dangerous, and it is fun to you know dock to the station, look for resources on the that planet, buy them, go to another system, and the the, the going into hyperdrive, and all of these are fun, you know. But it's so complicated that after a couple of times, it does get. Some people love it, but I think mm -hmm. if you don't, it gets tiresome after a while. And No Man's Sky did seem and does seem like it has the potential to be that but for quote-unquote normal people like it's not <laughs> that complex you don't have to request landing permission and line the landing pods and the thing you mm -hmm. just land and then you go out and in five seconds you're out of the planet and you know it's a lot more simple so maybe there will be a, 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 some kind of attraction there but yeah i guess you're right i still need some gameplay uh behind it to to have it some staying power and i'm not sure i'm gonna buy the game i'm gonna wait for reviews so that's yeah me too yeah. same boat uh call of duty though that you know <laughs> call of duty is a franchise that i had abandoned a while ago i didn't like advanced warfare i hadn't played most of the ones before that since probably modern warfare 3 uh and it's kind of that easily character caricaturized uh Every year is the same game, and it you know it, it doesn't appeal to us anymore. Uh, but this one has been gaining my my interest with the especially with the trailer at um, Sony's conference where they didn't announce it was Call of Duty, and everyone watching was like, "Whoa, that what is this? It looks really interesting." And then they were like, "Oh wait, is it Call of Duty really?" And and this <laughs> this twelve minutes of gameplay sort of won me over just by watching what was happening on screen like there i didn't need some marketing like and it's gonna be the most intense experience and be the soldier of the future like it was just <laughs> it was like coming back to this idea that you're in the middle of this crazy battle and you're living through that set piece moment from a movie just like we had in modern warfare one and two and it looked really appealing, you know? And I was looking at, you know, looking at it and, and thinking, what the hell is happening to me? I'm hyped about <laughs> Call of Duty? What is, what is this? Is this like, is it 2009? What's, and it was a really good. Um, uh, it wasn't even a trailer, you know, a trailer cut together. It was part of the campaign. And maybe they chose a super polished bit. I'm sure they did, but it still looked compelling. So I'm curious if I if I was, you know, in some kind of weird Call of Duty trance or if it did have that effect on other people. And since you're here, I'm going to ask you. 
I, I think that we did talk about Call of Duty and Battlefield the last time I was on the show. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I, I'm still firmly in the I'd rather go back to World War One than go up in space camp. So I'm not as excited for Call of Duty, which is kind of unfortunate because Call of Duty has been my go to shooter franchise. So but even I, that I'm gameplay didn't get you hyped. Again, it's the like it's I space. find you hate in space. Video games, okay, we get it. You don't. Uh, like although space. it's not. The- it's not that I hate space. It's just generally in video games, one of the biggest problems is vehicles. And they can get shooting down pat, but then sometimes, for whatever reason, being in a vehicle, unless it's like need for speed and that's all the gameplay. But generally, when vehicles get put into video games, they are clunky or they feel funny or they just don't do what you think they're going to do. And it usually detracts from the greater story or what the game is trying to do. So I'm hesitant when a big part of gameplay seems to be in a vehicle because that just makes me go, oh, so <laughs> I, I, I am reserved about Call of Duty. It's going to be one of those things. I'm going to see what people say when it actually comes out. Like I like I mentioned, especially in comparison to No Man's Sky, like the graphics look amazing. I think it looks really cool. But, but No Man's I Sky is so stylized; behind. it's it's yes, kind of yeah. <laughs> hard to to fa- you know to to. It was just so funny that. because they had the same sort of visuals of like coming up above an atmosphere and then going in at a big like mm. ship with a whole bunch of little ships around it, and it was the like exactly the same flight path almost in the two trailers. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this is this is way this is crazy different but um call of duty i'm just i'm going to wait and see what people say about it because i'm worried that just the controls of the spaceship are going to be not as polished as people are used to their controls being in a first person shooter yeah i guess that's fair i don't know how much of it is going to be in the uh, uh in the spaceship um i'm thinking it's probably more of a it's still Call of Duty game. It's still an FPS. And Mm -hmm. there are always in the Call of Duty games some portions of the game that sort of break the the rhythm of just Mm -hmm. FPS, FPS. But yeah, I I guess we'll see. And And there have been some really interesting parts of Call of Duty, like the the whole zero gravity combat, I do find quite interesting. So again, I'm just I'm gonna let it percolate a little bit gonna let people get more time hands-on and see what they actually say because even you say it like there's always some sort of a a vehicle or a break from the first person shooter action the the more i guess gimmicky it is the more shoehorned in it is the more i am less likely to play the game i would actually prefer if it was like 50 50 first person shooter and you know (laughs) space vehicle because then i know that they put a significant amount of time into creating the vehicle and actually working on those controls and making it feel seamless versus if it's just like you do this for 10 minutes then i'm like that's going to be 10 minutes of my gaming life that i absolutely hate (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's fair um and to be to be honest i'm also not certain i will get it it's just i was so surprised that i was considering it now so uh, um there is new sonic games there's a sonic mania which is basically a a sonic remake from the Mm -hmm. the original one with essentially the same graphics but a little bit more uh, uh fluid and some new levels and stuff like that and then there is project sonic uh, which is coming to it has been confirmed for well all the consoles and pc and oh, well the current generation 
and the Nintendo NX, which is interesting. It's coming in mm -hmm. uh, 19, uh, 19, in 2017. And uh, it's a new game. It's a 3D thing, and it looks like it has multiple versions of Sonic in it. Um, which means I, probably some sort of co-op multiplayer experience. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was more of a Nintendo than a Sega guy. Uh, Sonic always felt like it's like Pepsi. Coke is the reliable <laughs> classic and Pepsi is like, yeah, now we have Pepsi Max and Sonic is so fast. It's going like it's the fastest hedgehog in the galaxy. And you're like, <laughs> all right, why? What again? Why is that cool? I don't. Um, but yeah, I know in the US uh, and notice how I'm including you in the US. Oh, everyone um, does. It's fine. <laughs> um, in the US and in America, uh, Sonic and Sega had a, a their moment of, of glory in the sun it was overtaking nintendo for a while and sonic was very popular um are you interested in those new sonic games or has it drifted away in your memory well i'm i'm interested in the remake because there was definite nostalgia factor there when i was watching the, the trailer i was just like oh my god i remember playing this game and it was so good <laughs> so <laughs> i played it too i you know yeah. just to be clear but uh. <laughs> but so i i am looking forward to the remake and to getting my hands on that and playing that in terms of a new sonic game kind of on the fence uh i'm i'm still interested to see what exactly the nx is going to be from nintendo and so it's just really going to depend at least it's on all of the different consoles all the different platforms so it's probably not going to have any crazy nintendo gimmick in it so that makes me happy but um yeah i'm i'm reserving judgment till we see a little bit more but i am really excited in for the remake i think it's going to be so great uh do you have a playstation 4 now or yes yeah okay. i we have we have everything so okay. we have the, the, <laughs> the wii u the ps4 and the xbox one okay cool um final fantasy 15 if you don't know it's getting a movie called king's king's glaive um mm -hmm. it's going to be available in august ahead of the release of the actual uh, final fantasy 15 game and it will be released in uh, october on blu-ray uh i watched the trailer and was not it seemed a little bit generic it's cool that it it has a a it will set up the story and the setting of the, the game. And for that, I think it's probably going to be valuable and I'm definitely going to watch it. But it also seems very generic, very like frustratingly generic. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure about it. But uh, did, you, did you see the trailer or... Um, I, I'm not sure about Final Fantasy 15 in general. Yeah, no, um, that definitely, that definitely. Just because it's like it's so like bromancy. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I did try. I, I tried the demo, and the demo was really fun. I just, I'm this whole driving in a car with your bros thing seems so weird set against all the fantasy stuff <laughs> so i i don't know i'm i'm reserving judgment on 15 anyway but uh i am excited to see just what they do with the movie so i i'm excited anyway even if it is generic because i haven't done the only final fantasy play i've actually done is like way back in the day and it wasn't even actual final fantasy it was like i played um crystal chronicles i think which right. was like a nintendo title and it was i think like 2001 2002 maybe like i don't have a big background in final fantasy so 
everyone who really likes Final Fantasy seems to be very excited. So I'm excited because they're excited. Yeah. I, I just want to like, get into the I want to get into the franchise. So. I get, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. You're like you're you're looking at it and you're like, uh, okay. And around you there are like people are like, Oh my god, oh my god. Yes. And you look around and you're like, uh, uh, oh, oh my god, yes, I want to play that too. I, exactly. I get it. Yeah. There it's is. Like their hype is infectious, so yeah. I'm trying not to get I'm I'm trying not to let anything get me down about it because everyone around me who's familiar with it is very excited. So I'm okay. I'm going to be very excited with them until I'm proven mm. that I shouldn't be excited. But That's yeah, fair. That's fair. Rose driving in cars is a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have a problem. Well, I guess it is weird, but it's just you know Japanese uh, things have so many weird uh, elements to them that I'm <laughs> I guess I'm not surprised. Um, but there's definitely value in like the joy of being hyped together is is definitely something that i can completely understand and it is po a positive emotion so i'm not gonna bring <laughs> you down any further uh however there's an apple watch game uh on that's coming out from square enix it's called what is it called chaos rings cosmos ring cosmos Cos cosmos rings <laughs> uh that it's coming for apple watch and we've seen a couple of games and a couple of apple watch games when the 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 product first came out, but they weren't made by actual game developers. And Square Enix definitely know their RPGs, even though, you know, the last few have been meh. Um, but, <laughs> but I don't I don't see how that could be interesting. But maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, this seems to be, this is another one that's, that's going to be using the get out and move functionality, right? Because <sighs> it uses the pedometer. So... <laughs> I don't know how, how much that's going to catch on, but... Yeah. All right. We'll see. Um, Valve, just to uh, conclude that whole debacle that we talked about, uh, uh, I think, last week, last time and maybe for two episodes, um, they have, as expected, they've basically uh, uh, started shutting, sending uh, cease and desist letters to gambling sites and so the party is over basically twitch also <laughs> pulled the plug uh on the uh gambling shows and stuff like that so basically the gambling things is should not be a problem anymore or at least it's uh it's been acted on by the uh powers that be uh hardware information and notices uh first of all the xbox one is seeing a, another price cut in the us it's 249 dollars now it's it's pretty cheap honestly mm -hmm. um and the xbox one xbox one s is coming october october august 2nd but it's the two terabyte version that is 400 bucks there are going to be some cheaper versions including a 300 bucks one but they haven't been uh they haven't been uh, given an eta yet so it might be later in fall uh but i mean i don't know who i would recommend an xbox one Right now, if you want one, just wait a month and get a, 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 an Xbox One S. It's going to be a little bit more powerful and do 4K. I, so. I wouldn't even say that. I would say wait until they wait talk about the what's coming next. Exactly. <laughs> I have no idea who the S is actually targeting because you've got already people who own Xbox Ones. And there's something new coming very shortly. I don't know why you would spend money right now. <laughs> at I least until 
price points are announced and hardware is announced and everything else. Once we have all the details, that's when you put your dollars on the table. I think that buying something on August 2nd is crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, I try not to be too uh, down on, on the Xbox One because I have been, uh, you know, a little bit of a proponent of the PlayStation 4 because I think it's a better value for money it's a better proposition for sure so i try to refrain from um being too critical of the xbox one but i 100 percent agree with you i don't i think what they are doing is crazy um i mean and i am are... an xbox girl i the mm. playstation 4 is the first playstation that i've ever owned i am very much in the xbox universe and that has been where i have lived in the console world for a very long time so i'm frustrated with them because of this i'm just like who are you even marketing to because it's definitely not me and i'm in your corner so (laughs) like is this supposed to get people to come over from playstation because that's not what like hardware is not what is going to be the catalyst for people to leave playstation it's games it's always games so like what are you doing right now microsoft what are you doing (laughs) it definitely i mean it definitely seems like they should have skipped the s i don't understand why they Mm -hmm. put it out and if they didn't, they should have, I mean, we mentioned it on the E3 show, but they should have announced a price for the Scorpio so that people yes. can at least decide, all right, I'll get the cheaper one, whatever, I don't have 450 bucks to spend on the Scorpio, I'll get the 300 bucks now. And because I know it's, I'm not going to get the other one, I'll get it now and start playing now. Uh, mm-hmm. That would have at yeah. least made some sense, but... It's more so the $400 price point for the one that's hitting in August, the Xbox One S... Yeah, the, the so two terabytes version. Yeah. yeah, even at two terabyte storage, like it's just four hundred dollars is going to be so close to whatever their next thing is with Scorpio because you can't start charging eight nine hundred dollars for a console. You just can't. No one's going to spend that kind of money. They're going to go get a PC. So if you're if you have a console at four hundred dollars you're going to be within one, maybe $200 of whatever your next offering is. I don't understand why you wouldn't sit and wait to see what that next offering is. It's just crazy yeah. to me. I think it's better to go and spend the $250 on an Xbox One. <laughs> like, I, I guess, yeah. Why not? Like, yeah. And most people who want them already have them. So yeah. the S is well, just so crazy to me. I don't know what they're doing. I agree. But uh, to be fair, there are going to be 300 and 350 bucks versions that are, as yes. I mentioned. So at least I would say, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Just, you know, <laughs> I'm sure some people, I think I, I, they're selling, wait. you know, they are selling, they're looking at the numbers and they are selling Xbox Ones every day, right? They, they are selling them. So this is just a replacement for what they already have. It's not, Yeah. they're, they're going to be selling them. It's not, for us, maybe we're not the market, but uh, Joe, whatever, who goes to Walmart is going to want an Xbox and they're going to buy one. Some of them are going to buy PlayStation. Some of them are going to buy Xboxes and they're going to sell. So maybe we're looking yeah. at this maybe a little bit too much from our, uh, our point perspective. Of view, but, yeah. Yeah. But it definitely it. <laughs> I, I'm really trying hard to see the other side of this and I'm not <laughs> even con- completely convincing myself because that would have it would have being possible with the current Xbox One as well, and it would have generated a lot less uh, negative feelings if they hadn't, you know, and confusion if they hadn't done this. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, Nintendo is looking like they have a, a hit on their hands with the NES Mini. 
uh, coming out November 11 in the US, sometime around the same time in, in Europe, I'm sure. Uh, 60 bucks, 30 NAS games. You connect it via the HDMI um, cable to your TV. It's a tiny version of the uh, NAS. You can't buy more games. It's one of those, you know, system in a controller type of uh, device. Preloaded, of course you yep. Preloaded, yeah. And and you can uh, buy the actual uh, copy of the controller, the original controller, which you can also plug into your, um, your Wii, by the way, if you want to play your virtual console games with the, the controller for $10. Bucks. Um, but... Yeah, Nest. I mean, everyone's going kind of. I, I yeah, it's fine. Whatever, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> I I don't think that I've heard anyone say bad things about this. I think the that's true. There's there are a lot of really great titles they are including in the bundle. I think that if it does well, they'll probably do the same thing for the Super Nintendo and possibly even the 64. Uh, maybe at different price points, but uh, I think this is a really good kind of feeling out of the market. And I, I, I'm definitely going to pick it up. I think it's a great price point. Even in Canada, I think it's it's eighty dollars instead of uh, just because our, our dollar is a little bit weaker than the, in the states. But even at eighty dollars, like it's the perfect price point for a gamer Christmas gift. Yeah, like it just true, it's, yeah. it's 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 oh, not. I'm sure it's going it to sell like hotcakes. Yeah, so it's I, an I impulse think buy. You know, thing. it's the kind of yeah. thing you can you, you go to the the store and you're like, oh, what could I buy for Christmas for whoever? And you're like, mm-hmm. this. But I'm sure it's going to sell out. I am yeah. certain it's not going to be available uh, when you know people actually go to the to the store three days before Christmas. It's going to yeah. be a super hot <laughs> item. But, uh, yeah. So, and and I'm glad they're doing things like this because, like I mentioned, there's a lot of really interesting titles that they've chosen to include, and a lot of nostalgia there. So, I I think it's a good move. I can't wait to grab one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I probably won't because it's the kind of thing you plug in, play ten minutes of, and most people. I don't think everyone, but most people are not going to be playing it for too long. But uh, it's kind of nice the idea that you can preserve it and it works mm-hmm. with our current HDMI TVs because. It's just, you know, the silly element is that you can't play, even if you do have a NAS, you probably can't play it on your current TV because you can't plug it in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and if you're into expensive hardware, uh, there's a new <laughs> graphics card, another new graphics card by NVIDIA, which is basically the opposite end from the uh, 1060 we talked about last episode. Uh, it's the new Titan X. It's uh, 12 gigabytes of uh, memory, and it is uh, a whopping $1,200 for that uh, that console. It comes out uh, August 2nd, so the same time as the Xbox One S. And all of a sudden, it doesn't Xbox- seem that, that expensive anymore. I was going to say, <laughs> Xbox One S is now way more affordable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, this is the kind of thing that very few people actually purchase. It's a... Uh, flagship it's so that they can mm-hmm. say we have the fi- fastest uh card on the market uh they always do that i think the other titan x the the previous one was a little bit cheaper but i wouldn't swear it was when it first came out so um anyway if you're looking to spend the price of a car in a graphics card go have at it have fun <laughs> and uh finally 
We're, we're basically done for the general news. I just want to talk about a couple of uh, Blizzard updates. Um, the main one being uh, Hearthstone. Because there is apparently the confirmation, well, it is certain that they're going to announce, uh, Blizzard is going to announce the next uh, adventure on the 28th, and it is most likely going to be Karazhan, right? Yes, yeah. So uh, Blizzard gave out golden tickets, essentially, to an announcement. And I think they're just doing the announcement on Twitch like they did with uh, the Old Gods was announced on Twitch as well. And basically, they're... I think it says something like a, a magical, mysterious adventure or something like that is Mystery the wording tour. on the ticket. <laughs> and so a lot of people are saying either uh, Karazhan or Ulduar, although I think that it would have been like an adventure of Titanic proportions or something if it had to do with Ulduar and the Titans. So my, my vote is going towards Karazhan. And I'm a little bit disappointed if that's what they do. Only because, although Karazhan was a really cool raid and everyone who raided it at level just has all of this great nostalgia for the place. But I think what they did with League of Explorers, where they took some Warcraft kind of themes and built it into something that was uniquely Hearthstone, I think that was way more interesting. So if they go back to their model like they did with uh, Nax and Blackrock Mountain and pull from raids... I, I'm kind of disappointed in that a little bit. I don't know. As as a more casual Hearthstone player, are you just really excited about Karazhan potential, or do, are you more in my camp of disappointment? Um, well, no. I'm. I mean, as a WoW fan more than a Hearthstone player, you know. Yeah. I'm And a former Blizzard employee. Um, I'm. <laughs> no, I, Karazhan pulls on my heartstrings very yeah. easily. You know, I used to raid Karazhan. That was the first. Well, no, actually, I did. The, the the original ones but it was the first one that i, I did very regularly had, that's not even true i did uh, molten core uh anyway <laughs> it was a very important raid for a lot of people yeah. including me um and i think there's this party people of karazan what was it i think it's going to be different i think they're going to have a feast in karazan they're going to have it's the setting is going to be Karazhan and certainly you're going to have some encounters that are familiar but i think it's going to be a different setting like something happens in Karazhan and everyone goes there to party or something like that i so. i hope so because they they do seem to put a hearthstone spin on a lot of things yeah. i yeah i i hope it's something outside of just like here's the raid here's the bosses that you know this week we're doing this section this week we're doing the next section and i'm hoping they don't fall back into that pattern because what they did with League of Explorers was so interesting and so new and so different. I don't want to see them fall back onto something else that's a little bit less unique. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's, that is that uh, is fair. But in this case, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, Karazhan has to come at some point. And I think, you know, it is something that is going to make a lot of people happy. Me- Oh, I think we're definitely yeah. seeing Karazhan. I am on board with that 100%. I just don't know what it's right. going to look you, like. You don't want it to be like, this is the Karazhan raid, and here you exactly. have this one. Yeah, right, right. I yeah, see. exactly. Mm. 
Um, right. Uh, so, and the other thing is, apparently they're sticking to their schedule. They said they would have uh, two expansions a year, one in spring, one in, in the fall, and they would also have an adventure in summer. And I was getting a little bit worried that the adventure, mm -hmm. they were going to miss their window. Uh, but they can announce it now and maybe release it very quickly or within a few weeks, and they would still have the... Uh, The, the schedule. I'm worried, a little bit worried about the next expansion, though, because yeah, that, me too. It, you know, it's like September, October, November, December. It's four months and they have to, when would it be? Maybe they can do it in November and, uh, and that works, but... Uh, Um, well, I think it's kind of it's it's two different schools of thought, really, because you have uh, if you have the adventure, it's probably going to be out mid-August, I would think. And so if you're going mid-August with an adventure, the thing about adventures is it's not one launch date. They have historically with all their adventures released one a week, wings right? one a week. Yeah. So you get three or four things to do each week and usually it lasts four to five weeks. So that puts us to kind of mid to end September when the adventure is going to be done. And then we have BlizzCon at the beginning of November. So that basically leaves October. And that would be a ridiculous turnaround from adventure to expansion if we actually got the expansion before BlizzCon. So there, I'm, I'm in the camp where I want the expansion before BlizzCon. But I think what we might see is the announcement of the expansion of BlizzCon and the release shortly thereafter. Yeah, I think that works. It's still it's still eh. the, uh, it's still the full. It's yeah, but from a from a competitive kind of a standpoint, as someone who really enjoys watching esports and Hearthstone esports in particular, I would like to see the entire year of the Kraken all showcased at BlizzCon. So I want to see ah. the one adventure in both expansions as like whoever can play year of the Kraken the best is crowned champion at BlizzCon in 2016. Champion of the Kraken. That exactly, sense, yeah. yeah. And if we don't get the expansion, then we're not going to see that. And I think the further, like I was expecting the summer adventure to come at the beginning of July. So right. now we're only getting the announcement at the end of July. So it kind of pushes everything back. And I'm a little bit worried about what that might mean for esports and BlizzCon. And I'm not going to see what I thought I was going to see. And again, that's a little bit disappointing. But this year is also so, you know, we had the introduction of Standard. I think that Old Gods was a little bit delayed because of all the other game mechanic things they were building in the in the background. So I think that we saw, like, I don't think that 2016 should be what we're looking at for a schedule going forward. I think that everything's going to be pushed a little bit earlier in years to mm. come. I think it's just the, the later release of Old Gods kind of pushed everything back for 2016. So at least that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's possible. I, I mean, we do have a, a pretty uh, bleak prospect with Blizzard's respect to dates and uh, <laughs> yes. holding their dates. So that's why it's kind of... Eh. Maybe it's not going to happen. But um, talking about esports, we also started talking about our experiences in ranked modes uh, in our favorite games of the moment and how they compare and how what reactions we have to them. And uh, of course, you were talking about uh, about Hearthstone. I was talking about uh, Overwatch, and I've mentioned in a couple of shows that I love the game Overwatch. I have uh, you know the the ranked mode, however. Even though I like it, I always feel like I feel really bad when I lose and I feel okay when I win. But the difference there is very stark. And you were telling me that you feel the same. I was surprised because I always thought Hearthstone is, it's all you. So when you mm -hmm. lose, you don't really, it's your fault. So it's not as if you can rage against, against the 
either the game or the 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 other the players or the team yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that in hearthstone it's just because i i know that it's just me it makes me feel even worse because i feel like when i when i win a game and i i've spoken about this on the angry chicken before is i'm in a really kind of bad mindset in hearthstone right now because i feel like when i win a game that's because of luck or rng or whatever and when i lose a game I feel like, oh, man, you're so stupid. What are you doing? Why would you even make that play? And so I get so down on myself. It's basically the same thing that you mentioned with Overwatch. It's like when when you win, you feel okay. And when you lose, you just feel like the worst piece of dirt ever. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's really hard to to break out of that feeling. And And I'm surprised that you feel that way about Overwatch because to me, there's a lot less RNG in Overwatch versus hearthstone like there's so much random in hearthstone right yeah and i guess that, you so don't... even though like you you have you have a team you could say like oh my team made a bad choice my team didn't pick the people they needed to whereas in hearthstone you're just like you just feel so bad because you didn't react properly to the random you know surprisingly i don't get those feelings of my team is doing something stupid and i think <laughs> i know i'm in the minority in in that i know most people blame the teams when they're losing and certainly sometimes it happens but i think i've done a lot of work on myself and realizing <laughs> that everyone is actually trying you know everyone is doing their best no one well again it happens but usually people don't go in rank mode and just mess everyone else's day just for the fun of it usually people go in and try to do what they can. Maybe they're not able to, maybe they're, you know, not as good as, as you or the team in, in front of us. But that would be really surprising. It would be very surprising if that was the general case. If it was, if you were always the best player in that team and you were always being brought down by the stupidity of your teammates, <laughs> I would be very surprised it it doesn't make sense right mm -hmm. um so in that sense i'm not so much blaming the others but there is an element of it's it's taken out of my control the some of it even if the the other people in the team are are trying their best maybe they're not good enough to beat the 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 enemy team and there is some of this that is not on me so as we, we talked about this, about uh, uh, Heroes of the Storm a lot, and the frustration that I felt there as well was because, I mean, the conclusion we came to with, you know, Scott and Garrett and a bunch of other people was it feels bad because the control is taken away from you. And mm. it's interesting because what you're saying is it's the same thing with the RNG. Um, it's really just the most frustrating thing in your mind is that you weren't responsible for the loss. It was... It, it felt like it, the control of it was taken away from you. Mm -hmm. um, in, in some cases, yes. Like, right. I mean, there there are multiple different points of, of random in Hearthstone. You have not only the randomness built into the game just by the fact that there's a deck of cards, but then also there are things that hit random targets or, you know, like course. just all, all of that extra random. Yeah. So it can feel like... Even if I play completely properly, if I randomly don't draw the card that I need, if it's in the bottom 10 cards of my deck, then, you know, and, and you just can't win. And you're just like, I tried as hard as I possibly could, and I still couldn't win because I was playing a warrior and I didn't draw execute. And so 
when it's out of your hands, you still feel like there's something you could have or should have done because any other time you've ever played against somebody, they've always rolled over you at this deck. So <laughs> why are you not winning? And yeah, you know, that like, feeling just, of, yeah, it's, it's, I think just generally very competitive people have the same sort of win loss feelings, regardless of what they're being competitive in. <laughs> that's, you know, that's very interesting because I also had, I was trying to think, is there a game where there is no randomness and I'm the only person responsible for this? It it happened to me when I was playing Street Fighter 5 uh, and 4, but 4 I didn't care about so much. 5, when it first came <laughs> out, I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. And when you lose, it feels very, it, I guess if we get to the bottom of the, the feeling, it feels also like when you lose, you feel much worse than you feel good when you win. And yes. I was, you know, I wasn't doing great, but I wasn't, I, I, I don't have any illusions that I'm a super good uh, Street Fighter player, but I was still feeling really bad when, when I was losing a few games in a row. And the other really interesting thing, I think, is that you were really good at Hearthstone. You <laughs> go to, you know, ranks that I can only dream of, and you, you almost made Legend a couple of times, and... But I always have that feeling that, oh, you know, I'm rank 49 in Overwatch. If only I could make it to rank 60, then I would be happy, right? But it, <laughs> it's not the case. You're There's never no gonna such be, thing. Right? Yeah. You're never, ever, ever happy with where you are. Because, I mean, I've I've been within two wins of Legend, and I'm still not happy, and I still feel like I'm a bad Hearthstone player. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know, it's very... Uh, so... I guess I come back to the uh to the 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 reflection it's almost philosophical now at this stage it's really <laughs> you you really have to come back to yourself and work on yourself and figure out how to enjoy and I still enjoy it I mean we're going deep into this it's still a very fun experience and that's why I do it I wouldn't do it it was if it was only horrible but you have to think about what you want to get out of it. And I mentioned this on Overwatchers. I really think that the people who are better than others at these games are managing to separate themselves from those feelings of, you know, self evaluate constant self-evaluation in a negative way. Maybe you want mm -hmm. to decide, you know, what you should do be, be doing better. Maybe, maybe you don't care and you're thinking, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to you know, see where I land. And this is going to be my, you know, I just want to know how good I am. And if I'm a rank 35 player, then cool. You know, it's, it's better than a bunch of others. And if I'm a rank 68 player, then that's awesome too. And, but I, at least that's what the rank mode is there for. It tells me how good I am. You can't, you're never going to be the best player in the world. Um, Unless you are, but that's probably... I was going to say, know, one aren't... person is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Why exactly. can't but, that know. be me, Patrick? <laughs> well, the, I think the reason is uh, they dedicate their entire... They have a lot of talent, of course, and mm -hmm. they dedicate their entire life to honing that talent. So it, it's kind of pointless to try. And I'm not trying to say that it's pointless to try and be better. <laughs> Never but... try is what Patrick <laughs> is saying. <laughs> No, that's not what I'm saying. But you know what I mean? It's like, you're not, it, it's pointless to be, uh, uh, to let it affect your, you so much when you don't, 
I don't even, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say. I, I, <laughs> well, I, you know, if you are not throwing yourself into a competitive venture 100%, then you're not going to be the best because there's always going to be someone who is trying harder and practicing more. So unless you are the bar, the person who is trying the hardest and practicing the most, then you are probably not actually going to be the best in the world. And that's okay. I guess, but you know, it's even more that I wish I could be in a place where I get my ranking and I can think of how to improve it. But you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this and we come back to the idea that, well, if I could get to rank 51, I would be happy. <laughs> but time and time again, it has been proven that no, you don't get happy. You just want to get to 52 or 53 or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird, and I've never been... I've never experienced uh, ranked modes in that way before. I've played Hearthstone a little bit. I've played a little bit of Street Fighter, but it, it's never mattered to me in the way that it does in some of the games I play now. And so I, I wonder, don't know. Is that because of the expectation? Because I know you do an Overwatch podcast. I do a Hearthstone podcast. And so I feel like the expectations that I put on myself is like, well, if I talk about this week in and week out, I know the game, I watch the esports. I should be as good as X. And every time I don't hit that bar, wherever it happens to be, then I feel lesser than because I'm not hitting the expectations that I'm putting on myself. But would you be happy if you got to Legend? Maybe. <laughs> I think, That's, you yeah. know, there's it, it's really funny because I, I think that probably I would be for about a week. And then, and then I would look would at my... Get, yeah. I'd look at my legend rank and I'd be like, oh man, I'm, I'm legend rank 2000. And I wouldn't think <laughs> I am the 2000th best player on the North American servers. I would think, why am I 2000? Why am I not 1000? <laughs> and then I'd get to 1000. Then I think, well, why am I 1000 and not top 100? And you know, like it just, yeah. I don't think that I'm ever going to reach my own expectations that I've placed on myself because I do a show about this, because I'm so in the Hearthstone world. But you can't have the expectation. And I'm wondering if it's the same for you so, <laughs> because well, of the podcast. Because you see, you've never yeah. felt this before. And I'm wondering if it's because you do talk about Overwatch specifically week in and week out. Well, so I, I it's more because I love the game so much. And I spent so much time in the game. I feel like... I should be better at it. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, I talk to a lot of people that are ranked, you know, 20, 30, 40. And so I am better than a lot of, well, statistically, I guess, than about half the players. So that's not bad, you know. Yeah. But I've played so much. I've played hundreds of hours of this game. <laughs> I guess a lot of people have played more now. But Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. So, but I've played... So much, I feel like I, I mean now I'm I'm okay with being four, 49, 50. I think I would like to be a little bit more, but that's a natural feeling. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's not bad. It's just it, it, I can't shake that feeling that when I lose, although I'm starting to to get a better handle of it, but I still get terrible <laughs> ladder anxiety. I, I I'm yes. like I don't want to play because if I lose, like uh, I don't I don't know. But it's funny that Hearthstone being such a an easygoing game with, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of, I mean, you get to those ranks where you don't get bonus stars anymore and it's, it's just as brutal as any other game. So, and, and you're, you know, the really interesting thing to me is that you're saying, oh, I have to be, you know, one of the best, but you reached rank one 
which is one of the best. You know, <laughs> it's not like it's not like you're stuck at rank 17 or 12. Rank one is one of the best players in the world. It might be one of the, you know, 100,000 best players in the world, but there are millions and millions of people that are worse <laughs> than you. So I'm really curious. It's really curious to me that you're placing that kind of uh, 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 demand on yourself that that even rank one is not good enough for you. It's. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's the Hearthstone community in general has always placed... Um, a kind of premium on being legend. It's like, if you're not legend, then I don't even want to hear your opinion. Uh. And even competitive Hearthstone, the there's a, an actual subreddit for competitive Hearthstone. And basically they're like, we are not talking about anything below rank five. Like if you can't hit rank five, you don't belong here sort of thing. And well, I understand rank five because you get the yeah. bonus stars that get you there if you play enough, right? Yes, yeah. So it, it's basically where bonus stars stop is where competitive hearthstone begins essentially right. and uh, and it's really funny because when hearthstone like uh, probably about a year and a half ago or so that was kind of the bar are you rank five or above and then it became well are you legend or above and now they've even started saying like oh are you in the dumpster ranks of legend <laughs> and that's like anyone below you know top 500 And so it's wow. just like, yeah, so if you're not in top 500 now, people don't want to hear your opinion. So it's, I, and I don't know where it came from, but I think it definitely influences like myself and the way that I play and, and how I measure my success is like based on how the Hearthstone community would view me, should I say, hi, I'm Jocelyn and I'm rank blah. <laughs> so I, that definitely has an impact on me. And, and I've had a lot of problems with, like you mentioned, ladder anxiety. I've had a lot of problems with streaming anxiety because I now stream for a living. This is what I do, podcasting and streaming. And I have only streamed Hearthstone a handful of times because I get so much anxiety from when you combine the ladder to streaming because Hearthstone is such a laid back kind of a game where you're not making split second decisions. You don't have 300 APM. So people can judge you a whole lot easier when you're playing Hearthstone than when you're playing something like a shooter or a MOBA or, you know, these kind of twitchy games. So just the, the amount of anxiety now that's built up for me around being competitive in a game is insane. <laughs> and I recognize that I'm a little crazy right now. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> it, you, no, but it's really interesting because I think, every, it's, I think it's going to be uh, interesting for people to listen to. It's just you, you, I don't think you ever shake that feeling. And the fact that you're so hard on you, I, I understand with the, you know, the subreddits and the, the people in the community saying if you're not that level, it, what you're saying doesn't matter, which I, I would have an issue with because you can comment on something and even though you can't do it yourself, you can comment mm -hmm. on it and recognize what's happening. Um, but, and, and to another extent, I understand why some people say, well, you need to be a professional to be able to understand all of the... I, I, I get all of it. But the fact that you are so hard on yourself at that high level of play makes me think again, there's no, <laughs> there is no position in the, the, the ranked mode psyche... <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. you the know, competitive mindset. <laughs> right, the competitive mindset where you're happy with 
what's happening to you. And that's a terrible realization. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, is, is really anyone playing ranked happy ever? Uh <laughs> that's a very good question. And I, I feel like as I'm sitting here and we're talking this through and I'm actually thinking about it, I'm not even 100% sure that I would be happy if I was rank one legend because I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach that then I would say, oh, it's because my opponent made a mistake or it's because I drew right. the perfect cards. Or, like I would always, you know, I guess blame myself, but kind of just say like I'm here because of my opponents, not because of myself. And that's a really, really weird mindset to be in. <laughs> I think it's a lot more common than, than anyone would think. I mean, the fact that we, I don't know, I guess people have a tendency of blaming others. Uh, and it goes along with the idea that you're not responsible for I guess if you're not responsible for losing, I don't think many people actually think that they're responsible for winning. I really think that when we, you know, when we hear, the, the when we look at the chats and when we hear what people are talking about, they're complaining when they're losing that people are made them lose. I don't see a lot of people saying we won because I carried the team. I mean, maybe in League of Legends, these where the <laughs> mechanics are are conducive to these kinds of things. But even there, the serious people just you know recognizes a team effort. But I don't know. It's it's. I'm not sure. I think it's a universal, almost universal thing that people get are hard are very disappointed when. I was going to say when they lose, but really all the time. People are just frustrated. <laughs> just with generally it. disappointed. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think we could talk about all of this for a really long time, but um, yeah. already it's, it's kind of an enlightening conversation. And I think the conclusion is we have to, there is, we have to work on ourselves. We are the problem. It's not the game. It's not the ranked mm -hmm. mode. It's not the 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 mechanics of the of the uh, game you're playing. You know, it's not your teammates. The real core of the issue for these feelings is how you are feeling, and by you I mean us. You know, mm -hmm. it's so I'm gonna keep working on myself, understand my heart better, and uh, <laughs> hopefully not break the desk when I lose a game in uh, in ranked Overwatch. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's going to be it for the show. Thank you so much. That was super interesting. That was super fun, actually. Um, thanks so much for being on, Jocelyn. Uh, where can people find you if they want to hear more? I am Joss Plays all over the internet. That's J-O-C-E Plays. And so that's good for Twitter, Twitch, JossPlays.com, everything. Just if you're looking for me, Joss Plays is me. Excellent. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and Facebook and Frenchspin.com if you want to check out the notes for the show, which include, uh, I'm reminding you, they include the links to the finals, the grand finals for the Evo Championship for three of the games that I really like. So you can go check that out if you want to find out what it's what those games are about and how exciting those competitions are. Uh, and uh, a quick note that uh, I'm going to be on a break for the next episode, so it won't happen and the one after that is going to be taking place after gamescom we're going to make sure that gamescom uh, is over or at least that the big announcements have happened uh, before we do the show so it might be a little bit late but uh, yeah i'm going to be um, early august i'm going to be uh, like taking an actual break from podcasting for two weeks i'm not going <gasps> to podcast a single time that's going to wow. be weird it's been years <laughs> years 
So <laughs> we'll see if I come back changed and if my, you know, mind is refreshed and I can uh, approach the world with more serenity than I do now. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, people. Uh, I will talk to you back in August after Gamescom. Thanks again. Bye. decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.